Hi there. Welcome to Finding Space with Alex Tyson, the show that celebrates the everyday legends who put in the hard work to become who they want to be and live the life they want to live. For people who understand that when we practice compassion and find wisdom within ourselves, we find success and happiness. Join me in hearing amazing stories from everyday individuals who have found incredible personal and professional growth through varied and, at times, wild methods of self-improvement and self-responsibility. And through their unique perspectives and work, have gone on to better the lives of those around them. From nurturing health to growing your wealth or enjoying the present to crafting your future, no aspect of life is off topic. And hey guys, just a quick note that we recorded this podcast before we rebranded our company from iHealth Saunas to Found Space. So if you hear any references of iHealth Saunas, that's why. Today, I'm sweating it out with Aurora Gilbert. Aurora is a certified holistic health and wellness coach based in Perth, Western Australia, where she runs her business, Holistic Health Nut. Aurora is a strong believer in using food and nutrition to create optimal health and well-being alongside the importance of mental, physical and spiritual health. At the age of 37 and following her predominantly plant-based lifestyle, Aurora entered as a natural fitness competitor in bodybuilding, placing first at the INBA World Championships in Dubai. In the podcast, we get into her bodybuilding journey and also cover what Aurora calls a green ketogenic lifestyle, how she stayed healthy throughout her time bodybuilding, the importance of goal setting and how she transitioned out of bodybuilding and into a world of natural health and wellness whilst looking after her newborn. There are some great insights and practices to take out of this one. And so I give you Aurora Gilbert. Hey, Aurora, thanks for coming on the podcast. Hi, Alex. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, yeah, I'm excited to have you on. Um, we've got some really cool stuff we want to get into. Uh, but as always, before we get into the conversation, I like to start with a really simple question. What's the uh, sweatiest you've ever been? Okay, so probably what we're going to be by the end of the sauna. But um, <laughs> I, when I was comp prepping in Bali, um, I was training really, really hard there and I would do like um, boxing in Bali, which if you've been to Bali, which I'm guessing you have, is yeah. pretty sweaty just, you know, when you're walking down the street. So when I was boxing in Bali, literally as I was boxing, you could just see sweat just like flinging across the room as I, and it was just like pouring off me. So, um, and I was actually doing some sparring as well. So, um, so yeah, there was just sweat everywhere and that would have to be, I'd say probably the sweatiest I've ever been boxing in Bali um, in humidity. Um, but, I mean, also I lived in Dubai as well, so Dubai gets pretty hot um, and sometimes if you'd be walking to a business meeting in Dubai and you'd just be sweating just walking. But, yeah, boxing in Bali. <laughs> yeah, Dubai, I, I've only spent a couple of hours in Dubai when I was going he- heading to Europe, but I remember getting off the plane and then, like getting onto this bus to transfer to a different terminal. And it was like, it was heat that I've never even felt before. It, it was, it wasn't like, it didn't feel super humid, but it was like, it just, you just walked into a wall of heat. Yeah, <laughs> it's it was, like a smack you in the face heat. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it was uncomfortable. Um, what were you training for in Bali? Were you specifically training boxing or were you doing like Muay Thai? No, so when I was in Bali, I was actually um, comp prepping for the, um, it was the IMBA, so fitness competition, so your bodybuilding, I guess. Um, but I was, boxing is just, is I love boxing. So I have been boxing, I guess, on and off since I was 18 years old. And um, when I was comp prepping, I was actually going through quite an emotional time in my life as well. So boxing was for my mental sanity. For me, when I box, it's almost like I get into, you know, that flow state where, right. especially if you're sparring, where everything else falls away because if if you don't just concentrate on what you're doing, you might get punched in the face or, um, or you know, you just it really brings me into the moment and I get into that flow state. Also, when I cook, it does that for me as well. Yeah, that's really interesting actually. <laughs> what... what, what um 
what were you kind of going through at the time that you found boxing to be so sort of helpful for? Um, I was going through a long-term relationship breakup um, and so, yeah, it was a really challenging time in my life and I found that and I was also um, getting ready to compete um, doing the bodybuilding competitions and I found that um, for me, and, and I've always been this way, I guess, is that boxing for me or doing some sort of movement and training um, just helps. It releases those good endorphins. It keeps me in check and keeps me grounded and um and I guess you can, for me, when I'm training, I can almost lose yourself for a moment where you can just be solely focused on the task at hand as opposed to what's happening in life, you know, at that, at that time. Mm. So you can check out for a little bit, enjoy yourself, and then step back into whatever you're dealing with. <laughs> I don't think I'd want to be facing you when you were in flow in the boxing ring. I feel like you'd be <laughs> fierce. <laughs> um, yeah, right. And so... The boxing wasn't the main focus for you though, right? Like you were focused on the bodybuilding side of it. Tell me more about that. Um, so I have had a boxing fight before, but um, during that time when I was the sweatiest was um, when I was getting ready to do a competition. So I had just competed in IFBB, which is um, one of the largest bodybuilding um, comp- or federations and I had just done the Arnold's over in Melbourne so it's the first time the Arnold's um, Arnold Schwarzenegger um, Arnold's competition had been held in Melbourne and um, I placed I placed what should I place I placed second, no, third at the world. I uh, at the worlds at the um, the Australian competition, and then I went to Bali. Um, my sister was living in Bali at the time, and I was comp prepping to do the IMBA, which is the Natural Bodybuilding um, Federation. So I was comp prepping there, um, and I was there for about three weeks and just training for that, and um, you know, getting up each morning and doing. I was doing metabolic cardio work, and then doing a heavy weight session, and then I come back and box in the evening. Mm. And had you always wanted to be doing like bodybuilding competitions or was that something you just kind of found your way into given what you were going through at the time? It was a bucket list thing. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, it was on my bucket list and especially after I'd finished doing the boxing fight, um, which I really enjoyed, but I realised that um, I was also studying kinesiology at the time and I was doing a neurological unit and obviously getting punched in the face is not good for the brain. And, you know, I thought I can't continue doing boxing, you know, it doesn't do anything for my neck, it's not good for my brain. Um, But I found that after um, doing a boxing fight and training for something, I was like, I need something else to train for. So I thought... I'll do the complete opposite. I'll get into, you know, I'll go stand on the stage in a bikini instead. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I started training for that and I just wanted to, um, I was 37 at the time, um, so I just really wanted to, um, I guess, push my body and see what I could achieve and I also, it was really important to me that I did it naturally as well. Um, it was, I guess, when I, I didn't really tell many people I was doing it until I was pretty much getting on stage. And um, I guess it was a bit of a shock for people. I was like, yeah, I'm going to wear all this, you know, this fake tan and this big full face of makeup and um, get on stage in a teeny weeny bikini. Um, and, yeah, it was just to really take me out of my comfort zone and to push my body and see where I could take it and to do that naturally and, I guess, mature age as well. So. Yeah, I think that's awesome. It's like just the power in proving to yourself what you can do, you know, even at at 37, not that that's old. I feel like I'm going to get in trouble now. But what I'm trying to say is a lot of people who compete, it's often when they're, you know, they're my age or even younger, you know, they're mid-20s. So I think, yeah, that's awesome. And I totally relate to that too. It's like people always ask why I want to run a half marathon or why I did run a couple of half marathons. It's like because I just like, knowing that I can do that sort of thing, you know, if I really want to. And so you mentioned that you were doing it naturally. Um, let's talk a bit more about that because I find that mm-hmm. fascinating. There seems to be always kind of two routes that people go when they start doing bodybuilding and um, there's some amazing natural bodybuilders in the world now. And even yourself, you sent me some photos of you yesterday and I was like, wow, <laughs> like you looked incredible. And so why was that kind of important to you and how did you go about doing it naturally? Um, I've from a young age been interested in natural health Um, and I think when I was 24 and actually living in Melbourne I decided that I wanted to study naturopathy and um, 
So I've always lived, I guess, a, a pretty... I haven't always lived a really healthy life, but I've always had balance where, you know, when I was younger, obviously I liked to go out and have fun, but I would still always make sure that I was really checking in and, you know, green juices and taking, um, you know, lots of different superfoods and things like that so there'd be a balance. Um, I, yeah, I I really just wanted to um, do that naturally because it, when if you go down the I guess the path of taking synthetics, you really and especially for a female for our hormones, you can really mess up your body. And for me, I hadn't had children yet. I've got one um, little girl, and she's nearly two and a half. And I knew that I did want to have a child. And so for me, I was like, "There's no way that well, there was no way that I was going to do it with drugs anyway." Um, but that messing with the hormones was even more important for me to go. No, I have to do this naturally. Um, and I know that you can, you can do it naturally. You know, obviously, if you're going to um, take enhancements, it's going to get you the result a lot faster, but it's also going to wreak so much havoc on your body. Um, and I guess traditionally with bodybuilding, it's uh, high carbs and it's slow, fasted um, cardio. I mixed it up and I did um, keto. I did predominantly plant-based, so I went more green keto, which I'll chat about in a moment. Um, but I mixed it up and I trained more like an athlete because I found coming from a boxing background that getting into the bodybuilding training was this, you know, slow weights. When I first started training, I was like, mm, this feels like I'm getting less fit. Like this is, this competition is called fitness competitor and I feel like I'm actually getting less fit than when I'm boxing. Right. And I was like, this doesn't make sense in my mind. I know that you can get the results that way, but for me, I found that I was like, I want to train, I guess, more like an athlete, which is um, I want to do metabolic cardio work instead. Yeah, which is going to rev up your metabolism and have it going, um, burning for a lot longer than if you're doing a slow, fasted cardio. Um, so I did metabolic sprints on the bike and things like that. Um, I still did a really heavy weight training session. Um, and the boxing I didn't need to do. The boxing was, as I said, was for my mental sanity. The boxing was also so I could eat more food. <laughs> <laughs> the boxing was so, like, you know, if I, if I um, didn't eat something that was following, you know, I guess my um, the way that I was eating, I was like, oh, I'll just do a boxing session instead. <laughs> I'll just go and um, punch some, some bags for a while. Yeah, exactly. I'll just, you know, I'll just eat more of that and I'll box later. Um, and when I get into diet with that, um, so for me... When I first started doing it again, I started saying that more sort of high carbs. And even though I wasn't hungry, I wasn't satisfied. I was like this and, and different people, you know, by individuality of each, each person, some people it works really well for. For me, I went, mm, this doesn't like it. And there was also I was having fruit in my diet. And I went, no, this doesn't actually work for me in what I'm wanting to achieve. So I went more a green keto, which is um, predominantly plant-based. I still had a little bit of organic grass-fed butter and I still had some fish in my diet. Um, I used um, uh, sprouted fermented uh, brown rice protein powder. Um, I did use BCAAs as well, um, natural ones. Um, what are BCAAs? Uh, so it's your your branch chain amino acids. Oh, got it, got it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, when doing that, I like my diet looked like was basically like greens for days. Like when, you know, you're doing keto, it's, I could have greens for days. So I'd have a massive bowl of salad. And when I was doing that, there'd be like avocado and hemp seeds and olive oil because I've got all those beautiful, nourishing, good fats. Um, whereas when I was doing it with the higher carbs, but um, doing the really low fat um, route, I was like, I was hungry still. Like I was like, I wasn't satisfied. I wasn't physically hungry, but I was like, something's missing. And that for me is fat. Fat, um, you know, it's really integral and important to our hormones as well. So for me, you know, when I was comp prepping, it consisted of, um, I guess, liquid nutrition as well. So smoothies with your protein powders, but that would be like cold press, um, cucumber, celery, parsley, ginger, lemon, um, with some, some of the protein powder, coconut oil or some MCT oil, yeah. um, which is just, you know, it's fantastic nutrition. Like it's liquid, so it just breaks down really easy straight into the body. Um I would do massive big salads. I would do lots of sautéed greens and a little bit of butter, lemon juice, salt, um, you know, some fish. So I nut butter for days out of the jar. <laughs> um, the one thing I did stop doing, which um, which I, I, I mean, I stopped having fruit, obviously. When you're doing keto, fruit is a bit of a no-no. So for me, and where I sit with that is that um, – 
with keto, I do, I guess, more of a, a, a cyclical keto, keto where you're having a little bit more carbohydrates. So sometimes I would have some fruit and that's when I'd train and do some more boxing. Um, but I found that um, obviously with the fruit, whenever you're having anything sweet, it spikes you know, insulin in your body and what that's floating around your body's not burning fat. Right. And for me, when I was competing, I got down to 7% body fat, which is very, very lean for a female. Obviously not as lean as when they do, um, you know, when they do like, um, I guess, the, the bigger muscle bodybuilding competitions. Still so pretty I, lean though. 7%'s like, yeah, there's not much. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it was pretty lean. Um, and for females, most of the time we lose our menstrual cycle around 10% body fat. I still menstruate the whole way through my competitions as well and that's because my that's body, amazing. I guess, it, yeah, deems itself um, healthy enough to still conceive. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, the with fruit, I, I cut that out for that time being. Um, when I have done keto in my, in my life, in my current lifestyle, I'll still have fruit but I'll ferment my fruit. Okay. So, you know, I'll often ferment the fruit, which means that it makes all the nutrients more bioavailable as well. So I guess for me, when I was doing the competition, I cut out the fruit and I'd have a little bit here and there. But in general, day-to-day life, that's not something that I would highly recommend because fruit is so nutritious and amazing tasting and good for us. So, <laughs> yeah, but if, you do, if you're following a keto lifestyle, then you can still do that, but you can just ferment your fruit instead. Yeah, and so when you were um, actually prepping and and into the keto um hardcore what what else was going on in your body because obviously the the goal there was um to be building muscle and and getting fit for the competition um but i find sometimes like when we have certain goals around how we want to eat or we're eating a particular way to achieve a certain goal there's other things in the body that get compromised did you find anything or, or, or what else was kind of happening around that time? It's it's great that you managed to keep your cycle. That's amazing. Um, yeah. So yeah, what else? No, was going I got on the day of a competition. I was like, "Are you serious?" <laughs> Maybe not the most amazing time. <laughs> um, yeah. So um, doing keto. So what I would say is that when I would meet with some of the other girls that I was competing with. The difference for me, and then I'll go into how I felt as well, was they were like, I'm tired, I'm hungry, I'm sore, I'm inflamed, you know, I don't want to keep training. Um, And whereas for me, doing it keto, more green keto, I felt amazing. Like, because obviously when you're doing keto, it brings down inflammation in your body. And especially if you're doing it more plant-based, where you're having all those beautiful nourishing um, plant-based fats, like, you know, avocados, olives, olive oil, um, coconut, things like that. So they're really nourishing fats as opposed to your bacon, cheese and and cream. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And butter. (laughs) And butter. Well, grass-fed butter I'm a fan of. Um, (laughs) But I found that I felt really mentally clear. As well, I had so much energy. Um, I felt um, I, my body didn't feel inflamed, so I was healing really well. I kept myself really alkaline the whole way through because obviously when our body's alkaline, we're in a healing state. Um, and like I, I was making sure, and because I was going through a really trying time in my life um, because it was just, it was a huge relationship to unpack. There was a lot of different things that were sort of going on. Um, but it meant that I was making sure I got the right amount of sleep that I had to have. Um, I made sure that I was, you know, getting down to the ocean and getting grounded. I was, you know, doing things that gave me joy as well as training, like spending time with family or friends. All of those things that holistically we need to be to having, you know, optimal lifestyle. Um, But, yeah, I felt that I found amazing. I didn't find that there was the only compromise for me is that I'm a massive, massive foodie and I think in flavor and so I had to really turn that down a little bit because you know I'm always recreating foods and thinking about food so I had to switch that over with keto to be more in line with a keto sort of eating um, you know way of eating which meant that you know I wasn't making an amazing fruit salad and things like that so that would probably be the hardest thing I found but I found that I didn't have any hunger cravings Um, I didn't have any sugar cravings Um, I also was doing food that obviously um, supported gut health as well. So I was adding like sauerkraut into my salads and things like that, which is amazing for taking out hunger cravings. Um, yeah, but I just found all in all, and my body didn't feel inflamed. Like my coach was actually saying to me, he was doing, I did my nutrition and he was doing my tra- uh, my training program for me. He's like, 
can you stop training so much? He's like, you don't need to train. Like, he's like, you don't need to do the boxing. And I was like, I just, he's like, how do you have the energy? I was like, I just, I feel, I feel fantastic. And I, yeah, had great energy. So for me, I like, yeah, I felt really, really good. Yeah. It sounds like you found a good balance between training, but like you said, having that holistic approach around going to the beach and doing some grounding and spending some time, you know, having that relationship, you know, I find sometimes when certainly in my life, I get focused on something and then I go so hard and then you kind of get tunnel vision and you forget (laughs) everything else, which is also important. Um, It sounds like you found a good balance there. And were you uh, like, I know some people when they do keto, they get really into it and they, they measure their ketones and those kind of things. Were you doing that or were you just being conscious of like, you know, not having too many carbs, keeping it high fat and those sort of things? Yeah, I wasn't, and even when I was competing, I wasn't somebody who was going, I'm eating this many calories because, you know, we want to calories in, calories out. A calorie, you know, you can have something with McDonald's or you can have a bowl of salad. This is totally different nutrition. Um, I was not doing it that way. I was really just, I was, I guess, treating myself more like an athlete. I was like, I need to fuel my engine. So I like to think of my body as an engine. I'm like, I need to put the right fuel in my engine so my body can give me more bang for buck, give me more longevity, give me optimal health. It's going to heal quickly. And I know to do that. If I'm hungry, like whenever I was hungry, I would eat. I wasn't like, oh, I feel really hungry, but I shouldn't eat because I'm only supposed to have this many calories. If I was hungry, my spoon was in the nut butter jar and I was eating nut butter because fat makes us feel satisfied and then we're not hungry. Um, you know, and I really found that while I was doing that, because you're having so many nourishing fats that you don't get as hungry while you're doing that. Um, and yeah, so it, yeah, it was, for me, I found it, it was, it was pretty easy to do. Yeah, I like that. And um, this is maybe a bit of a public service announcement, but I find like if we're eating clean foods, um, whole foods like you were, even in that case where you were focusing on on eating keto, like if we're eating cleanly, perhaps don't need to be so concerned about the amount of calories we're putting in. You know, I remember once I came out of a, um, or I was coming out of a, a water fast a couple of years ago and it was like a week in and I had this big bowl of salad and I, I probably ate a little bit too much. And I was telling my sister, I was like, Cara, I was like, it's like, oh, I feel like my stomach feeling a bit interesting because I just ate a bit too much. She's like, oh, what'd you have? And I was like, oh, it was a, it was a simple salad. Like it was lettuce, tomato, capsicum and some avocado. And she's like, Alex, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) And it it was a real kind of moment for me to realize like, yeah, you know, if, if you were eating a bit extra of whole foods, like we're not really doing any damage unless we're eating to the point of we're exploding. You know what I mean? So I like the way you were going about that where it was, kind of intuitive it sounds like yeah. to me you know you weren't like kind of putting yourself in a box yeah and for me with it, it our body lets us know like you know as you said it's that intuition and that's what I do in my coaching practice is getting people to check back in and learn to eat and follow their own intuition and you know and I use this example when I do workshops or coaching is that you know you can sit down and you can eat a whole bag of chips Easy, yeah, because it's got that that bliss point that they do between the sort of the sugar and the, the fat. But if you're sitting down and you're eating the, like that massive bowl of salad, and you can you can only eat a certain amount to your body goes, this is real food, and it goes, I've had enough nutrients, my engine's full, I can't have any more. And so our body, when we're eating real food, is fantastic at checking in and letting us know, you know, when we've had enough food. Um, so it's and it's getting back to learning how to listen to your body and monitoring the way that you feel the next day when you wake up. You know, how was how are my bowel movements? How was my sleep? You know, do if, like for me, if I have we don't really have much gluten in our life at all, but if I do, if I go to somebody's house, I'll eat whatever they cook me. Um, but I'll wake up and my fingers will be swollen, my face will be puffy and, you know, I know that you, you get a food hangover. I know that eating certain foods is going to affect your body in different ways. So when we're eating real food and nutrition and checking in with ourselves, we find that, um, you know, we can eat and nourish our body the foods that we, that we need to actually eat. And our, our body actually also recognises that nutrition. So and I'm going on a bit of a tangent here, but for me it's interesting being a mother was – the food that I ate, um, the like, the body sort of registers it. And Lilla, my daughter's body, she knows that nutrition that I was eating while I was, you know, while I was um, pregnant with her. So her body then registers and recognises that food. 
as opposed to when we have something that's synthetic, our body goes, I don't know what to do with this. No, it goes, I don't, I don't know what this is. I don't know what to do with that. And when you're not putting the right fuel in your body and your body is constantly in a state of rebuilding itself and you're basically giving it, you know, these building blocks that, you know, your body might go, I need you know, cement to build this and you go, oh, here, have some plastic to build this instead. Like it's, you know, it's sort of like the body needs the right fuel to, I guess, serve us. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. That's a good tangent to go on. You know, when I came out of my longer water fast this year, we were just eating fruit um, and I just, I just really learned, like I remember the first time I, I ate um, like heavier things. Like, I mean, we're still eating very cleanly, but even the first time I ate nuts after living off fruit for a month and I had some nuts, I was like, oh, that, that feels different. Okay, yeah. This is a bit kind of heavier. It's a bit more work for my body to process that. And um, then we started dehydrating some foods and similar kind of experiences. And I really learned like why fruit is so good for the body is because it's so easy to digest. Mm-hmm. And, and like you said, the body's always doing its best to rebuild and to make us as healthy as possible. And so when we put foods like fruit in, we're not taking too much energy away from the body to cleanse and heal to digest that food, right? Because it doesn't have to do so much work compared to when we put in like two large fries and a, and a Big Mac or even something more heavy, like some red meat or something like then the body goes, okay, I need to stop rebuilding for a while because I've got to process all this stuff that we just put in. Um, so yeah, I, I really like what you're saying there. And also I heard once it was like, if you're reading the ingredients and you don't know what it is, your body doesn't know what it is either. Exactly. <laughs> and so, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, it's going to struggle to process that um, yeah. as best as possible. And so, when you were um, competing, then you were doing the keto. Like, what what was your kind of day to day looking like during that phase? So, I was playing around with doing um, intermittent fasting as well, and I still do, um, especially when I was doing that heavyweight training session because obviously when we're in a fasted state, our body releases more human growth hormones so I could build more muscle that way. Um, so, I would get up, do my fasted um, metabolic metabolic cardio and my weight session and then I would go straight back home and I would get the I'd have the cold juicer the cold pressed juicer out and I do excuse me I do celery cucumber parsley ginger lemon um and sometimes I would blitz that up as well with a bit of frozen spinach or some sort of green from the garden or something like that um I would have a big scoop of protein powder in there so that protein powder was that brown fermented sprouted rice (coughs) excuse me sorry (coughs) Um, and I'd have some sort of like either coconut oil, <coughs> either coconut oil or MCT oil or something like that in the smoothie as well. And was the um, was there a particular reason to use the MCT oil? Yeah, so because I was doing the, um, the keto, you need obviously the fats, and fats helps deliver the nutrients into the body as well. So um, I would use either a coconut oil or an MCT oil. An MCT oil um, is medium-chain triglycerides, and it just helps our body to convert um, that fat into energy more readily. Um I would, and then I just, as I said, add some spinach in for fibre. But then you've got a really beautiful balance of, um, you know, your, so your carbohydrates, your fiber in there, your good fats and your protein. Um, and with that as well, like it was because I just finished training and when your body's in a fasted state, it's more readily able to absorb nutrients. So having something like um, a smoothie, like you were saying before with fruit, your body's it's easy for it to break down and utilize that nutrients. Having a smoothie in a fasted state after training, it's just nutrients straight in. Mm. Yeah. Um, the other thing I'd also do with that is I would have – um, another drink, which was the BCAAs, and I'd use an unflavoured one, so it had no flavour because a lot of the ones on the market are flavoured and, you know, the different flavours and additives and sweetener and all those fun yeah, sorts of things. things we don't want. Yeah. Um, and I would have in there um, to keep my body really alkaline so it was in a healing state all the time, I would have spirulina, barley grass, wheatgrass, camu, camu berry, um, chlorella as well, which helps the body rid itself of toxins. So I'd have water with all these green potions in there and I'd just scull that back. And um, when I actually did the competition as well, I because you dehydrate yourself on the day. Yep which is, is not optimal, <laughs> but obviously, you know, it's for, for that one day. But I made sure that 
because when you're training, you're pushing your body into an acidic state as well because you're breaking down muscle and you're rebuilding it. So for me, being alkaline when I was competing and just throughout life in general um, has always been really important. So on competition day, I'd be doing, because you'd limit how much water you'll like, have like little shots of green powder and water just to keep me alkaline throughout the day as well. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit crazy. Yeah, exactly. You're not called the holistic health nut for no reason. Um, no, I love that because there's that focus there around alkalinity, even even in a even in a moment where yeah, you know, people are dehydrating themselves, and that's typically not the uh, healthiest thing to be doing. Um, I like that there was still that focus there and that intent from you to to do it healthfully in a way. Um, mm. and, and were you focusing uh, much like you'd train in the mornings, you'd have those amazing smoothies. Um, were you focusing much on like sleep and, and what sort of things were you doing for recovery around that time? So um, for sleep, I was making sure that I had at least eight to nine hours sleep for recovery. I was making sure, as I said, um, that I was getting grounded, especially when I was, um, when I did the IMBA, the world championships were in Dubai. And so, and obviously, and when I was doing the ones in Australia, they were in different places in Australia. Um, so whenever I get anywhere that I was going, I get grounded. So like, I remember when I did one of the competitions in Sydney, the nationals, and it was like 11 o'clock at night when I arrived, you know, the night before the competition and I'm walking around the park and it's cold and it's freezing cold and I'm barefoot walking around the park getting grounded. Um, that just really helps our circadian code just to, and our, our, the rhythm of our body to adjust to the time zone that we're in which is obviously really important for well for our sleep patterns all those sorts of things but obviously when you're competing for bloating and all those sorts of things as well it just really helps the body tune in to where you are um did you walk around for like half an hour or yeah, like, ju- I'd, yeah. Just, I'd just be walking around the park like some crazy lady with you know this horrible spray tan on <laughs> Like a hoodie. Um, yeah, yeah. And like this spray tan on, so I'm like, you know, like the, that sort of orangey, really dark tan on and um, walking around the grass with my tanned feet, um, just getting grounded or getting down to the ocean where, whenever I could as well. Um, mm. And when you're saying what I did for, I guess, keeping myself in, in check during that time was, yes, yeah, sleep was really, really important. Um, going and getting a massage as well because I was absolutely, you know, hammering my body um and then the nutritional component as well as um mental for me first and foremost after our gut health is our mental health sorry first and foremost is our mental health and then our gut health for me so for mental health it was really doing things that gave me joy which were you know people that I guess community and relationships with people that um, were really important in my life and especially because I was going through that trying time that I could just sort of check in and that gave me joy to you know have that connection with friends family Mm. yeah I love that joy is um, it's critical right I mean you can be doing everything right you can be sleeping well you can be eating well you can be exercising but I mean, if you're not just having some fun, you know, yeah. <laughs> you you, you got to just laugh every now and then and have a bit of joy. Um, so I like that. Um, and so then when did you finish up? When when did you decide you'd, you'd kind of achieved what you wanted to achieve? What did you end up achieving? Um, and so, yeah, I, 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 um, I went through and competed at the world. So I, when I first started competing, I started um, in January of 2015. Um, I did five competitions back-to-back during that time and I finished up in June at the World Championships. Um, I, when I first started, I wrote down a goal because I still live in Dubai. I was like, I will compete at the World Championships in Dubai and um, place first or place. And so when I actually was at the Worlds, um, you know, obviously I you know, sort of did that thing that everyone does. As I got there, I was like, why am I here? Like all these people look amazing. I don't, you know, am I good enough to be here? La, 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 you know, all those Self-doubt. Sort of, yeah, and um, I placed first. So I, I won at the World Championships um, for my division, which my division was fitness competitor. So that is... Um, I, I guess it's not super muscly, but it's fairly muscly, but lean abs, those sorts of things. Um, so yeah, I placed first at the Worlds, and um, yeah, and it was at the age of thirty-seven. And I just remember sitting, um, you know, back the next like that next morning when I woke up after the competition, and just going, "Wow, 
like that was the goal that I wrote down and having a little chuckle to myself and going like it's amazing when we actually write down a goal or set a goal that our uh, you know, our sort of our true north just sort of hones us in, in that in that way, like, a, you know, that journey along the way of getting there. You know, I'd sort of think about it, but I was always just trying to be the best that I could possibly be because when you start looking around and I was like, wow, these people look so amazing, am I good, you know, am I good enough, da, 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 all those sorts of things. Um, but, yeah, getting there and actually achieving that goal was an amazing experience. The whole journey was an amazing experience to be able to, put myself through that experience and that discipline as well and I thoroughly enjoyed it and um yeah I really like yeah I really enjoyed the experience and really enjoyed the discipline mm. and so were the worlds were they in Dubai yes uh, yeah so and they're different places um each year so the worlds when I was doing were at Dubai in Dubai um so yeah that's convenient. <laughs> yeah, it, it, and that well, that was when I when I wrote down the goal because uh, I wanted to have a holiday back in Dubai, and I was like, "We'll place." So I was chuckling as I wrote it. We'll place or win at the worlds, and I was like, "Yeah, like that's going to happen." <laughs> <laughs> no, that's cool. And so, um, are you is is goal setting a big part of your life nowadays? Then, are you still writing goals down and doing that sort of yeah. Process? I'm, I'm a writer, like I'm, you know, I guess I'm, I'm in my 40s, so I'm old school where I write everything down. I'm always writing lists, you know. I, I don't do it on the computer. I'm always writing lists out and goals. Um, definitely for me, I'm a strong believer in setting a goal and writing it down because, as I said, it's, it, then our body just, uh, and it doesn't mean like, you know, the journey along the way might change and our goal might change and that's completely fine. But setting an intention, and then moving towards that direction makes a huge difference to just going, oh, yeah, I'd like to do that. But if you're not then setting that goal and then setting the necessary steps in action to achieve that goal, then, you know, you, you can't just wish it into fruition. You've, you've actually got to take those necessary steps in that direction. Yeah, absolutely. And so what is, what's your kind of process then or, or do you have a process around setting goals like you write it down well obviously you get clear on what it is you want to achieve you write it down and then you mentioned then like taking some action so what's your kind of process around that um so i will i, I guess i work backwards so i would like to think um you know where would i like to be in five years time so that i get clear on that goal and then i work backwards okay what do i need to do to achieve that so you know it's those all those little sort of steps and with competing it was like okay so i'd like to compete i'd, I'd like to you know get up on stage in an itty bitty bikini <laughs> when i first got my bikini i was like i don't know if i can do this <laughs> um but you know i was like well where do i start okay so i've got to find somebody who's going to do my training for me like who's going to um, I have done personal training before, but having somebody else do that for you and my friend that I used, um, he is amazing and he trains lots of athletes. So I found, I spoke to him about that. Um, I then went, okay, well, I know that I need to focus on my nutrition. I know that I need to, um, I wasn't as regimented, I guess, as some people were there, like I need to have this calorie, blah, blah, blah. I was a little bit more like I, I know nutrition, food, as I said, is my passion in nutrition. So I was just like, okay, well, I know I need good fats. I need lots of greens in my life I need a good quality source of protein um, I need to go to the gym obviously I need to um, you know I need to make my body into a fat burning machine which means okay keto that's gonna you know but keto green I call it more green keto where I'm going to be nourishing the body as opposed to if you do keto the traditional way it's going to work if you're if you if your goal is weight loss it's yeah it's definitely going to work but when you're putting all those foods that can be you know acid forming in the body it's not highly beneficial so for me I was like okay so I'm going to do that um, more plant-based I'm going to make sure that my nutrition's you know honed in I'm going to make sure that I'm getting sleep so I know that I need to do that to heal the body so I just you know I know that I need to research the federations that I want to compete in like I just you know I guess it's that groundwork it's and I in anything in life and I find it easy sometimes to equate it to business because we sort of treat business differently than we do our relationships or our goals and those sorts of things. But, you know, in, in business and in work, but, you know, if you've got, if you say, I want to do this, like you say with your saunas, like I want to sell X amount of saunas, you're like, okay, so what do I need to have in place? I need to have the right, you know, sales team. I need to be putting out the right information, all of those sorts of things. It's no different um, to how we apply that to our goals in life, to how we apply it in our relationships as well. You know, it's it's for me, um, it, 
the way we are as people and the way that we do things transfers across to our work, to our personal life, to our intimate relationships, to our goal setting, all of those sorts of things. Mm, yeah, definitely. I um, There's that saying, the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, so that's, yeah, sometimes that scares the shit out of me because I'll, I'll be like, Alex, why did you do it like that? And I'm like, oh my God, do I do everything like this? <laughs> um, but it's, it's, it's true, right? And I, yeah, I like what you said there. Do, do, you, do you also then write down those things that you need to do to get there? Or, or do you just kind of write down the goal and then you're like kind of have all that stuff in your head and then you just kind of go and do it? No, I write down, I break it down because, as I said, I'm a list person. So, you know, guaranteed every single day I've got like a, a list on my table that's like, oh, tick, protein balls, tick, bone broth, tick. Like, you know, all those things are like, I, and I like to tick them off. Um, so, yeah, I like to, yeah, I like to break it down. And I think a really, and this is a big goal, but I, one that I like to think about is like when I'm 80 years old and I'm sitting down in my rocking chair and I'm looking back on my life, what do I want my life to look like? What do I want my relationship with my family, with my daughter, with my partner? What do I want to have achieved in this life? Like, and it's like it, it is daunting when you look at that massive big picture. But at the same time, when you start chiseling it down, and like especially our focus, I guess, has been a lot around our daughter and um, you know trying to be as much as a, a conscious parent as I possibly can, um, and thinking about okay, what what I guess fast forward thinking going what do I want Lilla to remember about me you know when she's an adult like when she's looking back on her memories as a child and it'll definitely be there was a lot of cooking in the kitchen there was a lot of food (laughs) um but you know I want her to you know remember that there was a little love and very tactile and all those all those sorts of things that I guess um are are really important so I I really love that big goal thinking and and checking in every now and then and going is it still this you know am I still in line with um my 80 year old rocking chair goal um and yeah then I break it down into bite-sized chunks because otherwise it can feel a little bit daunting sometimes so that then would go down into like you know as I said before like in 10 years five years two years next year so and just break it down into those small achievable steps and the difference of when you're which you would know Alex is when you're achieving those goals is that momentum that starts to pick up and of course every you're always going to have times where you fall off any sort of goal or eating plan or anything that you're doing where you you have a step back but that's completely fine it's how we get up and you know carry on in life um so, yeah, it's for me, it's breaking it down to smaller goals and I can feel, see my head is going red and the red light's not helping me. <laughs> You're smart. You picked the green light. You've done yeah. this before. <laughs> I don't know. It ended up on the green light in here. Um, no, that's great. Uh, you know, I didn't even think we were going to um, get into goals today, but I'm glad we did because um, there was a great book I read uh, called Life in Half a Second written by an entrepreneur, Matthew Michaelwitz, who I was luck- lucky enough to meet. And um, it's it's all about goal setting. And I remember in the start of that book, he says like, if you got the length of the of the universe, like the total time the universe has existed in 3.8 billion years or something, and you condensed it down into a year, um, the amount of time that our life lasts as part of that is like, it's half a second. Right, it's so quick in in the grand scheme of things. We're here for such a short amount of time, and you know he talked about that in the first chapter and basically ending with the question like, "So, what are you going to do with your half a second? And then he just talked about setting goals. And in that book, he mentioned it was something like one percent of people set goals. Yeah, and, and then of that one percent, it was something like another just one percent actually write them down and like actually follow some sort of process. Um, And I think, you know, we all hear about goal setting and um, but so few of us do it. And when you actually do it, it's this this amazing thing happens where, uh, and I might be getting a bit spiritual here, but the universe, you you know, you put, you put that uh, intuition, uh, that, um, that intention out there. And then the universe is like, okay, yeah, well, if that's what you want, here you go, you know, and, and it'll generally come in the form of something different. You know, the path will be mm. not what you perhaps expected, um, but it happens. And, and like you said, I think it, whether in business or in, or in personal life, it's actually the same kind of process. Um, and, and when you put those things out there, I've certainly seen in my life, like a year later, like, oh, 
oh, that's happened. Oh, and it actually happened even more so than what I'd, you know, set out to achieve in the first place, you know. Um, so that's really cool. And yeah, I think there's something about actually scribing it into a piece of paper, like that mechanical experience and reading it and it does something in the brain. Um, so yeah, anyway, I'll get it. I was going to say, well, they have done studies because I know with, with studying, they say that when you actually write something down, like it, we um, recall that information differently. And that's, that is, that's the way that I am. Like if I do something on a computer, like I, it, it's there, but it's sort of neither here nor there to me. But if I write something down, like I remember writing it down, like it's almost like it etches into my mind or something. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and there's another, another part that, um, about setting goals is that like the desire behind the goal, oh, yeah. you know, if, if, if there is enough desire there, then you'll just make it happen, you know, and, and you'll figure out those things like, you know, I want to buy a house. Okay. What do I need to do that? And I, I need to save all this money. Okay. Well, how do I need it? And, and, and you just kind of like nut it out. Um, whereas if there's low desire, you know, maybe because that goal is really not for you. Maybe it's for someone you're trying to impress. I'm talking to myself here. <laughs> and, you know, you then when that desire is low, when things get hard, which they will, um, if you don't have that desire there, you won't push through the suck, you know. And that is something that with my coaching clients um, <clears throat> and in my relationship we do goal setting as well, but with my coaching clients, when I take on a client, part of the initial consult or before they even see me is goal setting yeah so and this is one that it amazes me how many people get stuck with this yeah because it's not something that you know we're so busy in life that when you ask somebody to i want you to sit down and i want you to write down your goals and i want you to and they're like whoa and I, like on the goal setting piece of paper that they give back to me is always like all these sort of scribbled down notes and there's bits crossed out and then they've run out of room to write everything because once you start writing it down, you go, wow. Like at first they sort of write two lines and go, I'm really struggling with that. I'm like, well, just put yourself, you know, put some time aside and just delve into it. And what you are saying before about that, um, that desire to achieve that goal is, um, I guess Anthony Robbins talks about it, that pain, um, pain, pleasure. Zone. So when I get somebody to write down a goal, like if I'm working with a client and they're like, oh, I want to be healthier, I'm like, okay. And why do you want to be healthier? What does healthier look like to you? And so we start sort of delving into that goal and we're like, and in, and they're like, oh, I just, I just, you know, I want to fit into my jeans. I'm like, but why do you want to fit into your jeans? Oh, because I'm going to feel good. Ah, oh, okay. I'm going to have more energy. Ah, yeah, I'm going to be a good role model for my children. You know, I'm going to feel confident within myself. And it's, it's that when you start writing down all those things and that momentum starts to happen where you go, I can't not do this because how can, you know, like it's, it becomes compelling. And that's, I think, part of that goal-setting process is, well, it's probably the most important bit is, is why it's compelling to you. Because otherwise, um, you know, if you just write it down and you haven't put any sort of um, meaning behind it, it's just sort of this goal floating around, but you haven't really decided why you want it. You know, I just, yeah, but why? So that's one thing that I really find with clients that they get, they always come back to me and go, oh, I'm really struggling because they want me to go, I oh, don't worry about it. I'm like, oh, well, just, you know, sit down this morning, have a cup of tea and, you know, just start writing it down, just start jotting it down. What does, you know, what does your goal look like? And we can, you know, we'll go through it more. I might give them a couple of pointers, but that's one that I think in life we just don't sit down and give ourselves enough time to reflect on what we want to achieve, how we want our life, how we want to live our life and checking into being conscious because we live most of our life in our subconscious mind, which is 95% of the time. So that checking in is what I call it, checking in and being conscious and being um, present and aware and going, I'm not just running a program or a pattern in my head. This is what I want to do. Like I consciously want to learn how to do this or I want to learn this skill or do this. Yeah. Yeah. Not we running. have to that, haven't we? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not running on that, uh, that autopilot, right? It so often happens in life where it's like, oh, that, that year went by. Oh, what happened there? You know, it's just yeah. gone. Um, I think also it can certainly scare the shit out of people to ha have that to think broadly for a moment, you know, we get so caught up in life and we're just on that autopilot. And then all of a sudden it's like, wait, what, what am I doing here again? What, what am I, what do I want to experience in this half a second I have on the planet? Well, somebody I read or in a book or something, or maybe it was on Facebook, I don't know, but it was like with children, they say with your children, you've got 16 to 18 summers with them. Right. And when I read that, I was like, wow. 
Like when you say, when you go, you know, because by six, seven, they probably want to hang out with their friends. So it's like you've got 16 summers with your child. And then when you started putting that, you know, relative to life, it was like that for me was, you know, certain things that you hear and you're like, oh, and you have that aha moment. I was like, wow, that's like, as you said, it's like, like that. It's like nothing. It's, you know, we're, we're getting into our third summer with Lilla. So I, I always try, you know, let's, are we doing, are, are we living the way that we want to live? Yeah. I have a feeling you guys are certainly well on the way. Um, uh, most days. <laughs> <laughs> All of her renown and spiral. <laughs> um. And so you're coming out of then when you were competing and, and fast-forwarding to where you are now, um, what's your kind of focuses on to do with your own health and your family's health at the moment and how's your day-to-day routine kind of changed from what it was back when you were competing? Uh, my routine has changed dramatically because I have a child. <laughs> um, so with, I mean, before I guess I had the, the luxury of having I guess having to be be more self-indulgent with my time, having a little person and being that um, I want to make sure that I'm really present for her as much as I possibly can be, um, it means that for me I get up early, early in the morning while she's usually still sleeping. I have some mornings where I'll sleep in, um, in you know, so she can come in and wake up or sometimes she'll toddle into our room in the night. So, But most mornings I'll get up early and I will get up and go for a walk at the beach. Um, sometimes it's by myself. Um, listening to a podcast, I always make sure I have at least 10 to 15 minutes of just appreciating nature and just sort of being there. Um, and or sometimes it's with um, you know, a friend or my sister um, and getting up while the world still sleeps. So like, you know, super early in the morning and going for a walk, which I just love doing. Don't love getting up that early, but since becoming a mum, Lilith's really taught me how to get up just like that at any time. <laughs> Bless her. Um, so it's usually some sort of movement. Um, I will generally fast in the morning, so I'll get up and I'll do warm water. Um, so I'll have, you know, close to about maybe a litre of warm water. Um, and then when I get home, I would love to say, like some mornings I'll get a sauna in. Often for me it's fitting. This is what I've really noticed with being, mom, being a mum is that things that I would have done, like I would have got up and, you know, done movement, I would have fasted, I would have done, maybe done some bit of journaling or something like that. Now it's I'm trying to get that time where I can. So movement generally, fasting, then I'll, you know, sort of sit down with her, I start the morning with her um, and then I'll get a sauna in the day where she's napping or when my partner Ben comes home. Um, we'll sort of tag team and, and use the sauna. Um, or if she's sleeping, both of us can have a sauna. <laughs> um, and then it's like for um, I'm really big on nutrition. So for me, I'm always making sure that I'm getting all the right nutrition into her. I like to make sure that I do something fun and really present with her as well. So whether it's we get out and go for a walk, it's taking her to a park, it's yesterday we went to the zoo. Um, so I like to, and then I sort of the the rest of the day if she's sleeping, I'll try to get some work done. I will um, read. I love reading. So wherever I can, I read or I listen to a lot of audio these days because I find that it's, you know, I've got more time to listen to audio if I'm commuting in the car or something like that. Um so, yeah, I guess the, the same things that were important to me five, ten years ago are still important. I'm still doing them. It's just it's a little bit broken up and a little bit more segmented in the way that I perform that. Um, postpartum, for me, um, when we decided that we're going to have Lilla, I fell pregnant with Lilla at 40. Um, or just before I turned 40, so I was 40 when I had her. And for me, I really focused on our nutrition um, prior to conceiving and then it's been a really big focus for me um, postpartum as well, just putting all that nutrients back into the body because it is bigger than doing any sporting event you've ever done. Like it's, you know, it's amazing what the human body does. And so for me, I'm really big on um, putting nutrients back into my body Sleep has been obviously a big one that I've been working on. And I've got this aura ring that aura I wear. Cool. Which, yes, that tells me how much sleep I don't have. Um, <laughs> <laughs> although I've just I've just cracked it. Like in the past, probably I think it's about two or three months, I started getting a lot more deep sleep again, which I feel like a new human. It's amazing sleep. How did you do um, that? Okay, so I have been doing so. I've been making sure that I don't obviously do screens at nighttime. I've got the blue blocker glasses. 
um, I set my phone on like that red, so it's really red um, because I'm always looking at, you know, if I'm looking at social media, it's like pictures of food and they don't look as appealing, um, you know, when they're bright red. So it means that I don't look at that as often. Um, I won't look at a screen at least an hour or two before going to sleep. Um, I take throughout the day. So I do, I started drinking coffee again, which I wasn't before, but when I have a coffee or I'll make a matcha, that is loaded with medicinal mushrooms. So I've got a medicinal mushroom addiction. Um, so I'll put medicinal mushrooms in there that help with energy endurance, with um, supporting our adrenals. So I take herbs that support my adrenals um, because I really find being a mum that you're sort of on all the time, like you're sort of, you know, you're just ready to go, ready to rescue your toddler from <laughs> falling over or whatever it is that you need to you I could hear her when she wake up. So um, the game changers for me have been no screens, I started taking um, magnesium, like a more like consistently taking magnesium, which obviously relaxes our mind as well as our body, and that has been a game changer. The as I said, the adrenal support herbs, which is like ginseng and ashwagandha and um, cordyceps mushrooms and things like that, rhodiola as well for mood and energy. Um, what else am I doing? Ah, and some CBD. So I've got some, I've got some um, hemp CBD as well. So is that in um, oil form or patch form? Yeah, no, in oil form. Um, so I've got that, and I find that um, that works really well as well. So I guess it's a combination of those sorts of things and yoga nidra. Oh yeah. So for me, and this is something I have found since becoming a mum, is that before I could sit down and sort of quiet my mind a little bit easier before coming, becoming a mum, but since becoming a mum, I find it a little bit harder sometimes to quiet my mind and I find that a yoga nidra because it, I guess it takes you on a bit of a journey is that um, that for me I, I find just much easier to do. And also when because I'm a health geek and when I look at my readings for my aura ring, which I get on my phone, when I incorporate yoga nidra into my life, like whether it's in the morning or in the afternoon or evening, because for me it's just whenever, you know, Lilith's sort of asleep or doing something else before I go to bed, um, my heart rate variability, which is obviously a measure of, um, you know, our health, our, our stress, you know, those sorts of things, health, health, sorry, heart rate variability. So that increases which is a true measure of our health. So for me, and I really notice that my sleep is impacted if, you know, I've had a stressful day or if I've got something on, I'm currently studying at the moment as well. So um, I've got an assignment due. So because I've been thinking about that more, I've noticed my heart rate variability has changed. I've noticed that my sleep has, has changed a little bit. So, um, you know, or if I have a fight with my partner or you know, those sorts of fun things, like how much our stress in our life affects us. And that's why I think those adrenal support herbs and that magnesium have layered really well um, with each other as well as those medicinal mushrooms. Yeah, that's a great little kind of, uh, I guess, stack of... Uh, little things there. What uh, what form do you take the magnesium in? So I do because obviously our body transdermally we absorb magnesium. I think it's seventy five percent more than when we actually um, are taking it orally. So I have got a magnesium spray that I put onto my body, and um, so my thighs, my arms, um, under your breast area, um, and then I also take um, uh, magnesium as well. So I take one orally as well. Um, obviously, it's then in foods like your dark chocolates, your leafy greens, all of those sorts of things. But I have found for me, depending on, and this is a whole nother podcast, but depending on where you're sourcing your food from and the nutrients that are in the soil and, you know, the quality of the food that you're sourcing, we generally do farmers markets um, and grow a lot. But, yeah, I've, I've found that I've needed to supplement um, both orally and transdermally with magnesium. Mm-hmm. Yeah, magnesium. My partner's a kinesiologist, and um, pretty much everyone comes into her practice in a stressful state. <laughs> and um, she's often recommending magnesium, and it just makes such a an amazing difference, uh, like quickly too. You know, even sometimes I'll have a stressful couple of days, and then I'll go home, and I'm like, okay, I need a Epsom salt bath right now, and I put. Epsom salts, some Himalayan salts and some essential oils and things and light some candles and um, and I'll just sleep better that night because I've gotten some magnesium in. And then when you start to actually take ha- take a daily with a spray or like you said, orally, um, yeah, people notice amazing things really quickly. 
it's just that layering effect and I would love, like I have done float tanks and when I did float tanks I did one and I think every, I did three for three weeks consecutively. The difference that I found and even to um, the way that I responded to things, it was just like this, I found that things didn't bother me as much. Like it really, it was really interesting reflecting going, oh, I like felt a lot calmer. I felt a lot more like things aren't bothering me as much, like just from having those um, those float tanks, which I would love to get more baths in, but I don't get as many baths as I'd like to anymore. Um, I feel like there might be a couple more years of raising a small yeah. woman before that. Well, we, we've got Lilla in the sauna um, a couple of times, so we put her in at the end and obviously with the door open and she, she loves it, like she gets so excited. Um but, and she, like, uh, yeah, I get excited for, I guess, how she's going to grow up because we've got that. I'm looking out there because I've got the our ice bath thing out there. Um, so we do the, the saunas and then we jump into the cold water and do cold water plunges as well. So those sorts of things have also made a difference to my sleep as well. So having the sauna has made a huge difference as well and um, trying to get a sauna Ben's fantastic. He does one like pretty much every single day. I'm more like four times a week. Yeah, um, that's still a good amount. Well, it's just for me, it's it's time. Like by the time it gets to the end of the day, I'm like, have I had a sauna today? Um, but those, and when I'm not plunging into the cold water, it's those cold showers like that I found has really helped with my sleep. So I think it's like anything, it's, you know, it's that sort of holistic approach of looking at it, tackling it from different angles to get a better, more rounded sleep. And the other thing actually, because I had somebody asking me the other day about sleep um, and something that I didn't think about because I breathe through my nose. And when I train, I breathe through my nose. I train myself to make sure that I keep my jaw closed, especially boxing, and I breathe through my nose because then the body calms down and I can train harder, faster because um, I'm breathing only through my nose. But for people that sleep a mouth breath and how much, you know, they're not getting as much oxygen in their body. So, and that's been something I do with Lila. Like if I walk into her room and she's got her mouth open, I just close her mouth. Like in Native American Indian tribes and different tribes, they would always make sure that their children only breathe through their nose because we get so much more oxygen. So people that um, are mouth breathers and don't breathe through their nose while they're sleeping at night find that they wake up just feeling exhausted and saying they haven't gotten to a restful sleep because I think it's is it, I think it's 20% more oxygen we get when we breathe through our nose. Yeah, it's something like that. There's a great book called Breathe. Uh, yes, I've got it. Yeah, I can't <laughs> remember the author, uh, but... James, I think it's James... Yeah, I can't, I can't remember, but yeah, it talks all about that and... Um, yeah, I did the same thing. Train myself to breathe through my nose, um, and it, it does make a difference. Um, you you just kind of more calm, in a, in a way. Well, Ben, my partner Ben, is a mouth breather, and so he actually has been experimenting with taping his mouth while he sleeps at night. And he's he's like he's like the way that I feel in the morning is completely different. He's like, this is amazing. That's incredible. So for me, I'm blessed. I've always breathed through my nose, and I do throughout the day as well but for him it's been a serious game changer yeah nice and so um tell everyone uh we're going to wrap up shortly so tell everyone a bit about um what you do at the holistic health nut and where they can find you if they want to learn more about you or work with you um yeah tell us um okay so my website um is holistichealthnut.com.au and also on instagram i am holistic health nut my Facebook business page has been hacked at the moment, so I'm in the process of trying to get that back. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, so Instagram and my website's the best place to find me. Um, I teach workshops, so I teach workshops on health where we delve into gut health, into um, keto, into you know plant based. Um, I'm a conscious omnivore, but um, I do a lot of workshops um, and have clients that I guess um, are vegan. So I do a lot of plant based ones. Um, as I said. I think we've done the gut health one before, so we made some food. So I'm always recreating food and how to make food taste good. So I'm super big on making food super nutrient dense, but also making it taste good because if it doesn't taste good, I'm not going to eat it. <laughs> um, and I then work with clients one on one and do health coaching. So, um, and I can do that 
um, face-to-face or I have some clients that I do that online with as well. So um, I do different programs depending on the client's needs and we do checking in and I guess going through their lifestyle and looking at all the different areas of health and how to implement more um, healthy habits and practice, you know, fleshing out their goals, what they are, what they're wanting to achieve, things like that. Yeah, and for anyone who is listening to this on the Sweat It Out podcast, um, jump onto YouTube and check it out because you'll see that Aurora is absolutely glowing. Uh, you look amazing for just having uh, a, a child and um, everything that you've kind of done and been through. So uh, what you're doing is working, clearly. <laughs> um, so yeah, go and check uh, Aurora out online. Aurora, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Um, I just have a feeling people are going to want to have you on again so we can talk about <laughs> gut health or something else. Oh, that was the other thing I wanted to mention. If you head to the iHealth Sauna website or our YouTube, uh, you can see uh, Aurora and I did a, a webinar uh, about a month ago and we made three or two real gut healthy recipes and a beautiful healthy chocolate recipe. Um, everyone, or well, not everyone, but a few people in our office made those. I went home and made the sauerkraut. Then we made some kimchi. I made the coconut yogurt. Um, someone else went home and made the uh, the chocolate and we're all just like, oh, my God. <laughs> well, with the chocolate, we forgot, but what you can do is that you can put probiotics in it and then it's gut health, then it's gut health and chocolate. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Um, yeah, but no, they're amazing. So um, you can go and check those out. Thank you so much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, I hope you've enjoyed it. And, Thank you uh, very much, Alex. I have. Thank you. No worries. We'll see you soon. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave a review and subscribe to stay up to date with the latest episodes.